them. Okay. Very important. Um, prayer meeting on Monday night. You all know we have a prayer meeting here on Monday night? It's pretty powerful. But we also have a class on Monday night. So we're switching the prayer meeting to Tuesday night. So if some of you can break loose to come to that prayer meeting, it's a valuable um, asset to this church and to the people who, who go to it. And Winston does kind of, is it commandeers it or whatever you want to call that. Facilitate, that's the word. He's a, he's a captain, so he commands. No, he doesn't either. <laughs> but that's Winston. Stand up, Winston, would you please? I should have had him come down and do this. Thank you, Winston, for what you do. Thank you so much. Is it seven? Seven o'clock, right here. Yeah, that's awesome. Also, I'd like to invite you all to. Uh, I've, I've kind of branched out, and God has given me um, liberty and um, freedom to do some work with my art. You can see some of my artwork around here. Well, I'm having like a, a show. It's like a pop-up art show at the Wayfarers on uh, next Saturday during the day. Stop in and take a look and see what God's given me to do and um, just enjoy that. I would love it if you'd come. I think it starts at 8 and it'll be all day. Thank you. You can get a waffle. Wayfarers waffle. Alright. Yeah. Oh no, waffle. Yeah, right. Hmm? Right in the middle of downtown Laconia, right in the middle of the ghost town. It's the only place where there's really any activity in Laconia. <laughs> yeah. Wherever there's food, there the eagles gather, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? Wherever there's cupcakes or waffles. There's where, the, yeah, there's where the eagles gather. Yeah. All right. So if you have a smartphone, you want to open up your Bible app. If you have a Bible, you want to open that up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Jesus is in uh, one of those situations that he often found himself in when in Jerusalem. Um, just going round about what it means to be living as the chosen people of God with the scribes and Pharisees, which was a religious sect in his time. And they pretty much controlled the temple area activity and most of the city of Jerusalem. And he's in the middle of one of these dialogues, and it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, that is Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. And there is no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. We often uh, refer to our Christian life as a journey. As a matter of fact, those outside the church in the first century who were, for varying reasons, observed the actions and behavior of the church often referred to them, the church, as being in the way. In the way. Here's a few examples. Acts 9, 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts 19.8, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly. Now this is, again, this is Saul, but by now he's Paul. So first he's going out to, to get them. Now he's speaking about them. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, evil of of the way. Before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took his disciples with them, with him. Acts 24, 14. Uh, Paul has been rescued out of Jerusalem. They, they had, he caused a big riot on the Temple Mount. They were going to stone him to death. Uh, the Romans come, pull him out, and find out what's going on. They, they brought him down to Caesarea Maritima. They're going to ship him off to Rome for trial. He's hanging out there for two years waiting for a boat. All kinds of stuff happens. So um, Caesarea Maritima was kind of the political hub for the Romans in Israel. That's where uh, the governor lived there most of the year. He only came to Jerusalem during the high holidays to make sure things were under control. Uh, so dignitaries and stuff, when they'd come to, for the Romans, that's where they would go, Caesarea Maritima. And so here, here's this instance. Saul is being held there, and uh, he's brought before some dignitaries that have come in, and he's, he's telling uh, his story in Acts 24, 14. Paul says, but this I confess to you, that according to the way, according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. 
Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they have found when I stood before the council. Other than this, one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, that is the dignitary, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was, a Jewish, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about, now listen to this, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Now, this, this is, becomes important. I want you to hang on to that. So how, is, how important is it to know the way? Well, in most simplistic terms, if you don't know the way, you are what? Lost, right? Simple as that. If you don't know the way, then you are lost. You're just wandering about, not knowing where you're going. Is it important to know where we're going? I think so. Yeah. And we see in the above verses that Felix had a rather accurate knowledge of the way. A rather accurate knowledge of the way. And I'm sure he felt pretty secure in that because it states that he put them off. Oh, I, I know this crap. You know, go on, go on. I'll, I'll call you back later. But later when Paul begins to explain the way in terms of righteousness, self-control, and coming judgment, Felix's perception of the way begins to unravel. Felix was alarmed and said, go away, right? <laughs> Perhaps Felix had an inkling of how lost he really was because it is not enough to just have knowledge about the way. The reality is, is that you must be in the way. Listen to what God says to the prophet Isaiah in a time of great distress when the people of God had turned to idols, and God was calling them back to himself. In Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, this is the way. Walk in it. A journey consists of basically three parts. You got a starting point, right? The experience and a destination. Starting point, experience, destination. 
What the scriptures call the way is that element of our Christian journey which includes all of the experiences we encounter from the moment we are born again until the moment that we truly apprehend the kingdom of God. And what turns the journey into the way is that the word of God and the voice of God become the guiding forces of our life. What turns the journey into the way is that the word of God and the voice of God become the guiding forces of our lives. Felix was pretty informed about the way. But was the word of God or the voice of God guiding his life? No, not at all, because once he started hearing about righteousness and judgment, he went into a panic, didn't he? The prophet heard the word. The writer of Proverbs, which says this, Proverbs 23, 19, Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Direct your heart in the way. That's deeper than your head, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So the writer of Proverbs says, Hear, my son. And the greatest commandment says, Hear, O Israel. And they all lead to a relational response. Walk in it. Don't just hear about it. Walk in it. John records that Jesus is the word from the beginning, and certainly he is the Lord of lords. Remember, Jesus said to the scribes who heard their words and directed his heart towards the truth of God's desire for the intimate response to his love, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the destination. The kingdom of God is at hand. Death is not the final transition. Christ has conquered death. Death becomes no more than part of the journey. Another experience. That is why Christian martyrs throughout the ages have been able to face death praising God, singing psalms, or praying for their persecutors. Death in the way simply becomes part of the mysterious change from who you were when you started out to who you are to become at journey's end. Because change, both personal, you as an individual, and corporate, us as a church, is what the way is all about. I know nobody likes change, do they? But it's our only constant. So let me see, all, all the men stand up. All the men stand up. So can any of you remember five years ago? Seven for the guys? All right, seven years ago. Can any of you remember seven years ago? Just one instance, seven years ago. Something, somewhere you might have been, an attitude you might have had, a predicament you were in. Right? You are not that man anymore. Every cell in your body from seven years ago to today, has been replaced. You are totally new, okay? You can sit. Now, you women, stand up. Can you remember five years ago? 
where you were, something you were doing, something that was happening, your response to those things. You are not that woman today. Every cell in your body has been replaced and will be replaced every five years for the duration of your life. And even after you die, cells in your nails and other parts of your body will continue to process out and change until you are no more. Okay? We are in a constant state of change. Our bodies are in a constant journey. Okay? Thank you. You can be seated. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15, 49 says. This is out of the Message Bible. If you don't read this, you, you ought to, not as a, particularly as a study Bible, just as an enjoyable read of the scriptures. In the same way that we've worked from our earthly origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. So what's the earthly origins? That's our beginnings, right? That's where we started out. First, the natural than the spiritual. Hmm? He goes on to say, I need to emphasize, friends, that our natural earthly lives don't in themselves lead us by their very nature into the kingdom of God. Their very nature is to die. So how could they naturally end up in the life kingdom? But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die but we are going to be changed. But we are going to be changed. You hear a blast to, the, to end all blasts from a trumpet, and in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves beyond the reach of death never to die again. At the same moment, and in the very same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true, death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? Oh, death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and the law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. With all this going on for us, yeah, you can give him a round of applause. <laughs> With all this, going, all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground, don't hold back, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. So what we have set in stone is our starting point. Jesus is Savior. And our destination, Jesus, our eternal God. What we are left with is this experience in the way, the journey itself. And there are two ways we can walk it out. Non-participatory, where you get saved and essentially just wait it out. 
hoping and in some cases even believing that you are entitled to heaven's best just because you prayed a sinner's prayer. When in fact, what you got was eternal life. A free gift ticket into the way. An opportunity to start the process and walk it out. Then, of course, there is the full participation option where once God lays hold of us through the salvation experience, we in turn lay hold of him and all that he offers to us as we walk in the way. The second choice begins with a promise that leads to a process. 2 Peter 1.3 We have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. When we learned that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness, God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. Then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. Do your best to improve your faith. You can do this by adding goodness, understanding, self-control, patience, devotion to God, concern for others, and love. If you keep growing in this way, it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ has made our lives useful and meaningful. But if you don't grow, you are like someone who is nearsighted or even blind, and you have forgotten that your past sins are forgiven. My friends, you must do all you can do to show that God has really chosen and selected you. If you keep on doing this, you won't stumble, you won't fall. Wow. So we have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. I want to personalize that and have us all say that together. I have everything I need to live a life that pleases God. All right, let's do that again. I have everything I need to live a life that pleases God. I know we don't always feel like that, and you might be asking yourself right now, when did I get all of that? Or how did I get all of that? Right? It was all given to us by God's own power. When we learned that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness, what happened in the instant that you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and invited him to be your Savior in that moment? 2 Corinthians one twenty out of the message. In that moment, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together. Who's yes? Who else? So what's happening? We're joining God in his opinion about us. If you have a contrary opinion about who you are in Christ then you are contrary to God's opinion about you. You don't want to do that. It's not good to be in opposition to the living God, right? 
because you will get what you oppose. <laughs> Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus in him, that is, what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with the eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. A sure beginning of what he will complete. But in the journey, in the way, he doesn't want to walk alone. He wants us walking with him. Ever gone on a trip with someone you don't like or someone who doesn't like you? <laughs> it's miserable, isn't it? It's miserable, right? God doesn't like being miserable. When he's in the way with you, he wants to give you joy and comfort and love and grace and peace. But if you make him miserable by resisting those things, by not being in agreement with you, he's going to withhold them. Why would God do this for us? 2 Peter 1.4 God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. Then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. I don't know if you've ever heard Martha's testimony about her salvation. She had gotten to the place where she felt within herself if she sinned one more time, it would be the end of her. She'd just be dead. One more time. She was, her life was such a shipwreck. In that moment, God. How many of you remember that moment, right? And she was able to escape. Now it becomes a joint venture, a partnership of sorts, you and God walking in the way together, working out your salvation toward a destination. Philippians 3.12, I have not yet reached my goal, and I am not perfect. But Christ has taken hold of me, so I keep on running and struggling to take hold of the prize. My friends, I don't feel that I have already arrived, but I forget what is behind and I struggle for what is ahead. I run toward the goal so that I can win the prize of being called to heaven. This is the prize that God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. All of us who are mature should think in this way. And if any of you think differently, God will make it clear to you. But we must keep going in the direction that we are now headed. Hmm? Now here's the great part. God provides the means. He only asks us to make the choices. Second Peter 1.5 Do your best to improve your faith. You can do this by adding goodness. So you might ask the question, I have faith? I have faith. Do you feel like that all the time? I don't feel like that all the time. Right? So where did that come from? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing. Remember all we talked about hearing? Right? In the way, hearing. 
right? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word, through the word of Christ. Romans 12.3 says this, I realize how kind God has been to me. And so I tell each of you not to think you are better than you really are. Use good sense and measure yourself by the amount of faith that God has given you. What has God done by providing this measure of faith? He has provided me an opportunity to release my free will and to choose good over evil. And the first evidence of this is choosing Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you didn't have faith, you never would have received Christ. It was the hearing of faith that caused you to respond by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone in this room who hasn't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Anyone? Oh, good. I'm talking to the choir then. All right. Up until that moment, I had no choices. I had no ability to exercise my free will. I was a slave to my sin nature and in bondage to sin itself. Oh, I might have told you that I was exercising my free will by doing my own thing. Do you remember that in the, the hippie days? Just doing my own thing, man. You know, everything's cool. Oh, what a mess we made there. And, but that was at best merely self-serving and at worst self-destructive. But now that Jesus is in my heart, now that his nature is connected to my nature, his spirit is indwelling me and communing with my spirit, I can do what I had never been able to do before. I can choose, I can choose to add goodness to my life. And sometimes adding goodness is as simple or as complex as willfully choosing to not do those former things that had been sinful or self-destructive before. Let me give you a couple of personal quick examples. The day I, I prayed the sinner's prayer, I've told this story, I, I did it just as an escape pod. You know, I had been invited to dinner, I was not saved, I was a mess, and... Uh, they didn't tell me that it was their Bible study night. Their pastor was there, and so we finished dinner. And, you know, I pull out my camel cigarettes. They pull out their Bibles. There's no ashtrays. And really what I wanted, I wanted to smoke a joint. That's really what I wanted. <laughs> so I got to sit through this half-hour Bible study. And at the end, of course, the pastor says, well, what about you, Dick? Would you like to pray that prayer and receive Christ? I said, I don't think so. I'm not interested in Another round and ask the question again. The third time around, I realized if I don't do this prayer thing, I'm here for the night, you know. <laughs> so I just said, okay, I'll, I'll pray the prayer. I'll pray the prayer. And, you know, I repeated after him, and I prayed the prayer. And I said, thanks for the, for the dinner. Out the door, got in the car, lit a joint, went home. And I, that's the end of that. It's the end of it, right? Except by... Three o'clock break at work the next day in the lunchroom, and two guys go head-to-head -head across the table, and they start F-bombing each other, only it isn't just Fs, it's MFs, and really, really intense. And I'm at the other end of the room, and as they're cursing each other, I feel something inside like, oh, oh, it sounded so nasty. And I realized that since I had prayed that stupid prayer, I had not cursed. 
It came to me. I didn't, hadn't spoken F word at all for 18 hours. I'm thinking, something really happened. That prayer really worked, right? Just like that. It was gone from my life. That's grace. God stepped in beside me and took away something that had no value in my life without my even knowing it, based on a prayer that I had put no effort or sincerity in, but he took it as sincere. Because he looked deeper into my heart than I could look in that time, right? So then, of course, the pot, two years saved, and I'm still smoking a joint at the end of every day, you know, because it's, it's a hard life. It's a hard life, and I got to relax, you know, I got to have something, right? And so I light up a joint and smoke that thing, and I don't get high. And I, my brother was living with me at that. I go into his room. I burst the door open. So what'd you do? Swap out my bag? You ripping me off here? You know, what's going on? He said, I don't need your crap. I got my own stuff, you know? And so, so I, I roll another joint. I smoke it, and I don't get high. And the Holy Spirit says, listen, you can smoke those things all day long, but you don't need it anymore. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it. 38 years ago. That was the end of it. Right? Yeah. Of course, it wasn't the end of cigarettes because those are legal, right? <laughs> right? Now they're making pot legal. So what's that going to be like? That should be interesting. And then Martha and I are, are courting and thinking about marriage, and she doesn't smoke, does, you know, and I'm still smoking. And So I had these little routines, you know, you go into church and you smoke from my apartment to church up on the hill, Laconia Christian Fellowship at that time. I could smoke two cigarettes on that drive <laughs> and get a mint into my mouth, Right? So I'm leaving for church on Sunday morning. I get in the car. I couldn't smoke in the apartment I was living in. I open up my cigarettes. There's one cigarette left. And so I light that up, and I'm thinking, all right, I can hit busy corner. I can run in. I'll grab a pack of cigarettes. I can get another smoke in before we get there. And the Lord said to me, don't buy the next pack, and I'll deliver you from smoking. So I didn't stop at Busy Corner. I just went right up to church. Never smoked again. Right? How long have we been married? 30 years, right? So 30 years, because I didn't buy the next pack. See, he was walking in the way with me. And as we're walking in the way, he said, Dick, I know you're going to take a left here, but if you take a right instead, I'll change your life. When you're walking in the way and you hear a word behind you, this is the way, walk in it. See, that's what he did to me. And my course of life changed. I'm so glad. I was, oh. so glad. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Second Peter 1, 5 through 10. Do your best to improve your faith. Do your best to improve your faith. He's given you something. Work with it. Work with him, working with it, right? You can do this by adding goodness. Next comes understanding, and this is what I hope you'll come to understand, 
that you have entered into the promises of God that have begun a process in your life if you want them to, if you want them to, that will continue to change you, bring into play these attributes. Self-control. Anyone need a little of that? Always looking for that one, right? As soon as that sentence comes out and you wish you could drag it back in. Oh, if I had some self-control. Give me those words back. <laughs> How about patience? Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> That's a huge one. Careful working with that one, though. Devotion to God, that's, that's excellent. Concern for others. Now, I saw a demonstration of that this morning, the way you guys responded to that need and prayed. That's concern for others, right? And love. If you keep growing in this way, it will show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ has made your lives useful and meaningful. But if you don't grow, you are like someone who is nearsighted or blind, and you have forgotten that your past sins are forgiven. My friends, you must do all you can to show that God has really chosen and selected you. If you keep on doing this, you won't stumble, you won't fall. We here in the vineyard believe that God has ordained but God's ordained vehicle for this journey is the church community. I don't know of any other group or uh, activity you can participate in that's more geared towards God getting you uh, dirt through the process part of your journey. The church is designed and ordained to do that. We also believe that God has ordained a place for each and every one of you to fit into and a function to minister out of in the church, a place that will help facilitate God's work in you, add strength to the church community, and expand the kingdom of God in the secular community around us. You are designed to be influencers of the kingdom to come. We want to join and encourage you in your journey because as we do, we connect with the Christ in you, and you connect with the Christ in us, and we catch a glimpse somehow in a mysterious way of his glory. So we know our starting point. We know our process time in the journey. I just want to clarify, I think, something uh, as far as destination. And I think this is a fairly active issue theologically in the church today. This idea of, you know, when you die, you're going to get a little harp and a cloud to sit on, and you just be doing this throughout eternity. Boring, right? Boring. And I was just uh, contemplating this morning, kind of meditating on Jesus, you know. He says, I, I, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you, right? So we all have this idea of, you know, this place called heaven and a big mansion. You know, maybe got this, if you've ever been down south, you probably got a picture of, you know, white columns and, you know, all this stuff and an outhouse off to the side. And, <laughs> right? Right? 
But he goes on to say this, that where I am, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, our destination isn't just heaven. It isn't just a mansion or that you get a room. The destination, the, the big prize, is him. It's Jesus. That's where you're heading for. That's what you're being changed to look more and more like him. Because at the destination, you're going to be standing in front of him, and he's going to be looking at you like he's looking in a mirror. Because you're image bearers. And he's going to say to himself, boy, that looks like me. Come on in. Come on in. You're in the way. Let's stand together.